cobwebs. You gotta be kidding. We were the only two people at this revival house in Rome for a midnight showing of bringing up baby. <laughs> you ever see the movie Casablanca? Same thing, except no Nazis. Oh. Husband was a movie freak. Actually, he was particularly obsessed with one movie, The Wizard of Oz. He talked about it constantly. John Wayne was tall. Dustin Hoffman was five six. Would you want to see Dustin Hoffman save the Alamo? I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequined shirts. You know, Fred, you should run some of the classic horror movies like Frankenstein or Dracula. Yeah. All the great horror movies are in black and white. Any man, woman, child could buy their ticket, walk right in. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Enjoy the show. Good evening, Cobwebs listeners. You are listening to the Cobwebs podcast. This is the podcast that is dusting off classic cinema to see what it has to offer today. Basically, we talk about old movies on here. Uh, my name is Daniel Epler. I am your host. And today, we are finally going to discuss Alfred Hitchcock. So joining me to discuss Hitchcock's thriller on a train, The Lady Vanishes from 1938, is the co-host of the Action Drunkies podcast, as well as a regular co-host on the House That Screams podcast. It's Rob Antiquero, aka the Cinema Drunkie. How you doing, man? Fine, fine. Uh, thanks for having me, Dan. I really appreciate it, you know, talking about The Lady Vanishes. Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm very happy to have you here, if only because I, I want to ask you a question that I've always wondered about. Is that OK? Sure. So are you drunk on a love of cinema or are you just drunk in general? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what happened uh, was uh, it was actually both. Uh, when, um, <laughs> it was actually both when I came up with that name. I was love. Oh, I was drunk off the love of cinema and vodka, but uh, I've, I've, recently, I've recently actually stopped drinking, so it's just the love of cinema, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I was hoping it would be both, I was hoping. Um, okay, so I know you from the Action Drunkies podcast, and I first found your podcast probably because it got retweeted by like our mutual friend Mike Scott or something like that, but I first found your Jack Reacher episode, and I clicked on it because I love Jack Reacher, and nobody mm. seems to really talk about that movie, so I was like, oh my god, people are talking about uh, Jack Reacher. So that was my first episode that I listened to, um, but I was just wondering if you could tell the listeners a little bit about that podcast. Oh, sure. No problem. Um, of course, uh, me and um, my brother from another, my best friend of over 30 years, uh, Mac, the all-star. We are the host of The Action Junkies, a podcast where we talk all things action, try to cover all types of genres and like, um, I mean, all types of action, like, you know, from America, uh, Asian regions and all that. We're in our second season right now. So yeah, we're going strong. We just released the... Uh, our episodes, um, Mortal Kombat, both Mortal Kombat's, uh, the original 1995 version and the new one. So, yeah, that and those are doing really well. So really proud about that. And, uh, yeah, just I'm a big fan of action movies. That's, you know, why I wanted to start that show. That's my baby and I love it. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love hearing you talk about action movies, both you and Mike Scott, obviously, on the Atkins Undisputed podcast. Both of you guys yes. are... You're, you guys are getting me to think about 
my love for action movies a lot more than I ever have before. So I, I've been an action movie fan. Just sorry, listeners, got to go on a tangent about action movies just a little bit because I've got the action junkie <laughs> right here. Um, I've been a fan of action movies for a long time, really ever since I, I think I was about 12 years old and my dad decided I was old enough that he's just started showing me like all the big Van Damme, Schwarzenegger, Stallone's, all those movies. Um, but I've, I've kind of, I guess, always considered action genre like a comfort genre. And it's just something I watch because it's fun and it makes me feel good. But it was nothing that I, I really thought about in like any sort of an academic way at all. Like I was always much more so like that about horror movies and not so much about action. But listening to your podcast and Mike Scott's podcast, uh, it's just been really great to to just give a lot more serious thought to like what I like about action movies, what it is I like in them. And I'm learning more about what makes a good fight scene and what's not a good fight scene. And it's just been very, very interesting. So I've been really enjoying going through the pod, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And I know if um, uh, my Mac was here, he, he, he really appreciate that too. I mean, that's, that's really what all it is, you know, um, just uh, like, uh, you know, like you said, action is a comfort, genre for me but you know i like to especially with uh i love martial arts movies you know martial arts uh, and fighting has been my favorite thing about action ever since i was a little kid and you know i just like to take a deeper look into it you know and just the choreography and just i i love all that stuff i love i love fighting i love the beauty of it you know i consider it to be an art and obviously so does mike which is why which led him to doing uh actions undisputed because you know who better to you know, really show how glorious the art of fighting is than Scott Atkins, you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what it's about. And we, uh, we truly thank you for, you know, enjoying the show and, and listening it, listening to it. Uh, we really appreciate it. But I think people are going to really enjoy this episode because I'm sure a lot, most people are probably aware of you for action movies, but we're going to be talking about a Hitchcock movie. So it's a little bit different. This is a, this is a movie that you brought to me that you said you'd really like to talk about. And, uh, and I'm very excited about that. But in talking about movies like classic film, black and white movies from the thirties and the forties. So like how and, and when did you get into this kind of film? Um, well, my dad, he, he's really big uh film fan uh i really get my love of film from him and he was always into that stuff and uh, as as my mother as well my mother really uh pushed me to you know because i was always watching you know action movies and then i got into horror and i really started watching that as well but my mother she was the one that kind of really pushed me into um looking at uh other films outside of the the action genre and the horror genre, like, you know, really broadened my horizons on, you know, my cinema knowledge and stuff. She got me three movies when I was younger, you know, like to really pony myself up. And that was uh, the the French Connection, The Shining, and What Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. What she told me was, if you haven't seen these, you don't know shit about movies. And that really, <laughs> it, you know, that really opened it up for me, you know, and that lets me wanting to explore other stuff and I also um my father used to work for a publishing company St. Martin's Press so he would get me like movie books uh like all stuff about movies because I was really into movies so I would read all these like movies about uh books about classic movies and also like you know all the the uh, stuff that would come on TV you know that would just you know garner my interest which led to me uh even like I would say like 11, I would be watching silent movies. Well, the ones you would find like at the discount store, because, you know, they always had those, like those $1.99 movies, but it'd be like Nosferatu and, uh, 
uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame and Cabinet of Dr. Caligari that you get for two bucks and stuff. And I would really just, you know, just watch those. And then it lets me, you know, seeking out other older classic movies. I, I was always watching uh, Turner Classic Movies and, and, and all that. So, like, yeah, from, like, a, like, I would say, like, maybe from nine all the way to, you know, is where I started my viewing of old, older classic movies. That's awesome. And I'm glad that we've got you here to talk about that because this is a, a, this love for this kind of movie is something I've never heard you talk about. So this will be interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Not to cut you off, but that was, I, I, I really appreciate this opportunity because, you know, like I said, I love action and I love horror and, you know, that's how I got my start into this. You know, um, I started writing for websites and uh, action movie websites uh, writing reviews and all that stuff. And that's how I really got my start. And then podcasting, I really started through, um, doing, uh, I have a, I have a buddy named Michael Cook who has a, a, a great podcast called Hit Rewind. And he, uh, he had a, like a, like a, a sub one called, uh, Trash Cinema, where we talk about like sleazy action movies. Nice. And that's fine. And that's fine. I, um, and then of course I started doing, uh, the House of Screams, the horror podcast with my, my, my dear, dear friend, uh, Candy's final girl who would make an excellent guest, uh, for the show. I, I should, I should tell you because that woman's love for old classic cinema knows no bounds. Like if you need somebody to talk about bogey, like Humphrey Bogart movies, she, she's your girl. Like, you know, so let me just tell you that. Oh, that is really good to know. Thank you. Uh, I got you. But, um, I feel like I kind of shot myself in the foot, you know, because I'm basically relegating myself to action horror guy. So like, <laughs> I will only get like asked to do like action and horror horror stuff, and I'm like, but I love all cinema. Yeah, and I want to talk about, you know, I want I want you know share that, you know, like you know, I could talk about any movie because you know I just love all movies. So I really appreciate having this opportunity to talk about like. Uh, old Hitchcock and the Lady Vanishes because you know I, I rarely get this opportunity to do that. So so thank you for this. Yes, absolutely, and I to I totally know what you mean because you know I was doing this podcast. I, I don't I don't know if you know, but for a long time I was this was about gothic horror and like that's what I podcasted about. And then I was just like, yeah. man, there's just there's just too much I'm interested in. Like I I, I love too many things, so I want to talk about more of that. Um, but on the podcast, we've never talked about Hitchcock before. This is a first, and I'm excited about that. So Hitchcock, are you a fan? Um, I'm I'm a fan of his movies. I will okay. say that. Uh, <laughs> I know what I, you mean. I, 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 I really think that, that the man is a, a, a phenomenal filmmaker, a master, a genius, you know, all those things. I will say, though, he, he is a scumbag, though. Uh, <laughs> you know, like uh, I've, I've seen and heard uh, too many stories about like what he was like. You know, I, we did an episode on the House of Screeds about Psycho and we were talking about uh, we got into like his treatment of Tippi Hedren. And it was just like, yeah, like he's he's an amazing filmmaker, but he's also a piece of shit, you know. But mm. I, I'll just keep it at that. Like, I don't want to sit there and turn this into a ragging on uh, Alfred Hitchcock because I, I, I do think he's he's one of the best to ever do it. You know, as as comes as, uh, when it comes to uh you know just cinema in general. Like you know, the man changed the face of cinema forever. You know, like uh, his his fingerprints are still seen all over uh, movies being made to this day. You know. Yeah, and I'm I am glad actually that you called out his uh personal antics that are certainly less than favorable because I think, you know, we're not going to make the podcast about that, but I think it's good to acknowledge it. So I am glad you brought it up. 
I, even just with movies, I must admit, I have a bit of a complicated relationship with Hitchcock, or at least I feel like I do, because he's so incredibly, incredibly beloved. And like, man, if you are a Hitchcock guy, you are a Hitchcock guy all the way. And like, you love all of his movies and you just think he's so brilliant. And I like a lot of his movies and some of them I love, but a lot of times I find Hitchcock sometimes like I can tell it's very, very good, but it feels a little bit clinical to me and it doesn't like get me in the heart. Now, sometimes it does get me in the heart. Like uh, Vertigo is my favorite Hitchcock. I think Vertigo Mm. is amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. I actually went on a a tangent uh, on that psycho episode we did about Vertigo. Um, Specifically, um, uh, spoilers for uh, a movie that's like, how old is Vertigo at this point? Like Vertigo is Vertigo is Around really really old, seventy years oldish. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Vertigo Vertigo is really really old. Let's just put it out there. <laughs> uh, but um, I see. I you know I just want I, I put it out there that because I saw a lot of people saying that he made a mistake by putting the 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 big plot twist like right before the big third act. Oh yeah, you I've know? heard people say that. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like um. Uh, no, the the man, he's a lot of things, but one thing the man doesn't do is make mistakes. And because that's not the purpose of Vertigo is like, you know, like, oh, why didn't he just save it to the end? Because that's not the point. The point is this um, James Stewart's descent into madness, you know, but like, it's basically, you know, uh, you know, his bomb under the table whole thing. Right. And uh, how, like, you know, that's how you generate suspense. And that's basically what, what the perfect example of that is that you know, you, he tells us now what the plot twist is because the whole thing is what's James Stewart going to do when he finds out because he's eventually going to find out and you see he's going mad and stuff. So that's the whole point of the suspense. Like, oh my God, what's he going to do when he finds out the truth, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, and people and people seem to miss that because they think the whole point is the twist. And it's like, hey, I just don't get it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And the filmmaking behind Vertigo is astounding. But I, I I gotta say, like, the thing that really jumped out to me the first time I saw that movie is just James Stewart. And that, like, I know he goes dark sometimes. I had seen him go dark. I know he's not always the fresh-faced 1930s shop-around-the-corner guy. But mm-hmm. I, I had never seen him go that dark. And, like, I found myself scared of Jimmy Stewart watching that right. movie, which I, I didn't think was ever possible, you know? Like, he is scary in that movie. Oh yeah, he really is. Like you know, he's 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 making her like change her appearance and all that stuff. He's he's really just outright just you know scary. You know, I, I fully agree with you on that. He's he's absolutely brilliant, and it's a shame they never worked together again after that. Yeah, but thankfully they they did work together a good bit. And 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 when I was looking through Hitchcock's filmography recently. Um, at, at least for all the films of his that I've seen, because I haven't seen all of them yet. But uh, I, I realized that like I am a huge fan of about half that I've seen, which is like mm-hmm. pretty good. So I I think I would con- I would call myself a Hitchcock fan, and I am interested to like watch any Hitchcock movie, and like all of the Hitchcock movies I haven't seen, I'm very interested to check out, and I do intend to check out. It's just because I'm not totally ride or die for Hitchcock. I don't love everything, like. I'm, I would say more of a Billy Wilder guy than a Hitchcock guy overall. Got you. 
But this one, The Lady Vanishes, uh, I had never seen before when you suggested doing an episode on it. So I was very interested to check it out and see if it was in the in the half of Hitchcock movies that I love or in the half where I'm like, okay, technically good, but doesn't quite get me in the heart. Very interested to find out. So this movie is called The Lady Vanishes. From It's from 1938. Take it easy. What's the trouble? You must know something fell on my head. When? Infant, sir? At the station. Oh, bad luck. Can I help? No, only by going away. No, 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 no. My father always taught me never desert a lady in trouble. He even carried that as far as marrying mother. I no. say, did you see a little lady last night in the hotel in Tweed? I only saw one little lady. She was hardly in Tweed. Yes, but she was in my compartment, and I can't find her. Well, she must be still on the train. We haven't stopped since we started. Of course, she's still on the train. I know that. All right, all right. Nobody said she isn't. Yes, but that's just what they are saying. Oh. The rest of the people in the compartment and the steward, they insist they never saw her. All of them? All of them. You uh, saying you've got a knock on the head? What do you mean? Oh, never mind. Do you talk the linger? No. Oh, well, they probably thought you were trying to borrow some money. Come on, let's knock the idea out of their stupid heads. Iris Henderson, played by Margaret Lockwood, has been vacationing in Mandrika, a small European country, and decides to return to London. Just before her departure, she meets and befriends the elderly Miss Froy, a governess who will be traveling on the same train. Once aboard, they share the same compartment and go into the dining car for tea. A short while later, however, Iris is not only unable to locate Miss Froy, but no one will even admit to having seen her. She's convinced that there is a conspiracy, but Dr. Hartz suggests she may be delusional owing to a bump on the head she received just before the departure. Along with one ally in the form of a musician named Gilbert, played by Michael Redgrave, they work together to resolve the mystery. So, uh, this was my first time watching this movie, but for you, I'm guessing you have a little bit of a longer history with this. So when did you first see The Lady Vanishes? I bought this uh, in a box set of um, Hitchcock's movies. Now, this film is in, uh, unfortunately, is in public domain. So it's, it shows up in all those like Hitchcock box sets with a lot of his other movies. And um, I think it was... Uh, Hitch, Alfred Hitchcock, The Legend Begins, and it was like a four-disc set with like 20 of his movies, his oldest movies in there from uh, Mill Creek, you know. And um, I think this was the first one of those that I watched, it, uh, the movie, and um, I immediately fell in love. This one must have been like, uh, I would say like over 15, 16, maybe even 17 years ago, if, if I'm not mistaken. Like, it was a while ago. It was a while ago. And... Um, I immediately fell in love with it. Like I was in love with it uh, within the first maybe 20 minutes. Uh, I absolutely love this movie. Um, and uh, to, to the point where like I had to have uh, a better version of it. So I went and got the Criterion version of it when it came out. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a wonderful, wonderful movie. Um, and like, like you said that uh, Hitchcock, uh, he, he's a certain kind of filmmaker. Like his movies tend to be on the dark side. But what I love about this movie is that how light it is and how complete it is as a movie. You know, it's it's very like uh, when I mean complete, like it has everything like it has action, suspense, intrigue, mystery, romance, drama, and especially comedy, as we'll get into. But um, yeah, the, the, this is absolutely my favorite Hitchcock movie. You know, like this is the one. Like people who sit there, like like you said, Vertigo and Vertigo is a brilliant movie. Uh, North by Northwest, uh, which I love, of course, Psycho. Uh, I see a lot of people say uh, Psycho, and that's that's cool too. And I love Psycho. It's, uh, the Birds, the Birds is a big favorite of mine. Mine too. But, Sometimes I feel like the Birds is a little bit underrated, but I am a huge fan of the Birds. 
Yeah, oh, I love the bird so much. The the, the bird still has one of my all time favorite jump scares in it. Like oh, I remember, the, yes, the 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 one where um Jessica Tandy, uh, who's she looking for? She 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 goes into his bedroom and he's lying on the ground in the corner with his eyes pecked out. Like that hard cut into his face, like yeah, I literally scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Like like I was sitting there watching it in the middle uh, of the living room floor in the dark because that's how I like to watch horror movies. Back in those days, and I was just like, <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. but, but, uh, uh, like, yeah, this is the one that's his most complete movie to me. Like, and almost like a, like a, like a, like a prelude to like something like North by Northwest, which is very light as well. You know, not his usual dark material that he that he usually does. I love this movie. I, I love this movie so much. So I'm definitely not ready right now to call it my favorite Hitchcock, but I could imagine like with time and with repeat viewings, I could imagine myself getting there because I loved The Lady Vanishes, man. I thought this was so, so great. And you you definitely hit on the reason, one of, one of the big reasons that I really loved it, which is the lightness of it. That really uh, took me by surprise because Hitchcock's movies do tend to be a lot darker very, very serious. And sometimes I love that. And sometimes I, I like it a little bit less, but this movie, like I was really struck by the first, I think it's about 25 minutes, which is before they actually get on the train. Cause this, this movie, this is famously a train movie. If anybody doesn't know almost the entire yes. thing, or at least uh two thirds ish takes place on a train. Um, but the first about 25 minutes is just the characters in a hotel waiting to get on the train. Mm-hmm. And it's, kind of plays like a little bit screwball comedy ish and it's actually really funny and super super charming and i actually watched this movie twice leading up to this and the second time watching it i was so struck by how much is set up in that first 25 minutes that i did not realize the first time i watched it like the first time i watched it i think oh this is just all fun pleasant kind of getting to know the characters there's some good humor in there like this is fun but i don't really know where this is going uh, but then watching it a second time, I'm like, everything has a purpose. Like, it's so masterful. Yes, yes, I absolutely agree. Like, uh, especially the relationship between uh, Iris and Gilbert. Um, I, I, I love, you know, that, that, that you know, that old timey like, set up, like, they, they start off hating each other. And, and you know, by, by throughout the movie, they, they develop a, a sort of, like, you know, partnership that you know by the end turns into a relationship and, and you're glad but it's just I, I i love i love um i love the two of them together especially gilbert played by michael redgrave i absolutely love michael redgrave in this movie uh i became his biggest fan after i saw this because i never really seen anything <laughs> by about, from michael redgrave before i i seen this movie and i instantly became a huge huge fan of his because he is absolutely delightful uh, in this movie, like especially like when we introduced to him, he's playing the clarinet with the people jumping around in the room, and he's trying to, like you know it's such a good introduction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, she 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 kind of persuades the uh, the 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 hotel manager to have him kicked out, so he just burst into her room and said, "I'm staying here." <laughs> <laughs> and like you know, obviously it's a ploy. Like you know. You better get my room back, you know. <laughs> and as he's leaving with the, you're the most contemptible person I ever met. You're the most contemptible person I've ever met in all my life. Confidentially, I think you're a bit of a stinker too. 
<laughs> I love, I love, I love the two of them together. I think they're uh, both of them are delightful. But Michael Redgrave is is my absolute joy in this movie to watch. Yeah, and it was interesting going into this movie because I did not know any of the actors in this. Like, it's not like going into a bigger Hitchcock movie. Like, there's no James Stewart. There's right. no Grace Kelly. There's no Cary Grant. I didn't know any of these people. And I was absolutely drawn in by Michael Redgrave, uh, who was an unknown in film at this point. He was kind of a popular stage actor, but this was really yeah. his first leading role yes. in a movie. Because apparently Hitchcock wanted Robert Denat for this role, who was the lead in The 39 Steps. Um, and I've seen the 39 steps and I must say, I, 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 you know, nothing against Robert Denat, but I like Michael Redgrave more. Like he is so, I mean, he's kind of adorable if I can say that about another. No, man. no, no. Yeah. Really yeah. Is. No, absolutely. Yo, absolutely. He absolutely is. He is simply delightful in, in, the, in this film, you know, with him and his bow tie. <laughs> he's just, he's just, yeah, you, you, you hit it right in the nail in the head, right? The, the nail in the head. He is absolutely adorable. <laughs> And I love Margaret Lockwood uh, as the leading lady, Iris Henderson. I got to say, like, if I have to pick a favorite Hitchcock heroine, I think I would go Margaret Lockwood, like, already. Like, I love her in this movie, and I do feel like she's kind of a stark contrast to the typical Hitchcock blonde. You know, that's mm -hmm. a thing that people talk about a lot, the Hitchcock blonde, whether it be Grace Kelly or T Tippi Hedren or uh, whoever. And... uh Margaret Lockwood, she's really hardly sexualized at all, which I thought was interesting. Um, she doesn't feel like she exists in this sort of worshiping perception of male characters. Like, I feel like a lot of Hitchcock women tend to, a lot because of Hitchcock's point of view and because of what we know about his sort of creepy sexual tendencies. But mm. this character, she she drives the plot all on her own in order to help another woman. She kind of drags along a man along for the ride, but she's the driving force and absolutely the main character. And um, man, I, I thought she was such a cool person with such an adventurous spirit. And, uh, and it's fun how she's set up in the beginning as she's about to get basically sentenced to a basic sensible marriage. She basically says that like, Oh, well I've done everything else. I guess now I have to get married. She doesn't really want to get married to this guy, but it's the sensible thing to do. But we, we know that's not right for her because she's just so adventurous and she's so cool. And uh, man, I just thought she was so great. Loved her in this movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I thought she was fantastic. I mean, um, going on about that, about her, uh, her being adventurous, like, when, uh, I mean, we're introduced to her as she's coming into a hotel with her friends. But then when we see her again, she's like standing on a table, uh, like, uh, like hooking something up to the chandelier and her knickers and all that stuff. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and the, and the waiter is bringing in her stuff, you know, with the champagne. And he's just like, oh, what do I do? Because she just, she's just literally just standing on the table. And she's like, oh, just help me down. Like, Ugh. like you know, she's just, you know, take charge kind of person. So, like, it, it's, it's, it's it's beautiful to watch her like go through the movie and like be like the hero. Like she's basically the straight man to to Michael Redgrave's like the, you know being like the the funny sidekick, if you will. Even though like Michael Redgrave kind of takes over in the climax of being the, the 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 hero. Yeah, he gets his action hero moments, which is funny. oh yeah, yeah 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 yeah. He he really does, and I love it. But if we're talking about the comedic aspects of this movie, I believe you have a couple of gentlemen that you would like to shout out. Oh, yes. Uh, Mr. Basil Radford and Norton Wayne as Charters and Caldecott. My, my, my lifeline in this movie, uh, 
I I I, I worship these two. <laughs> <laughs> like these, these, they are the funniest thing in this movie. You know, like this movie has like a really uh, a lot of comedy in it. You know, and and I know Hitchcock is, was not above putting comedy in his movies, but like it's the same to think just how comedic this movie actually is. And they they're really at the, the the center of a lot of the comedy because they're just two you know uh, British gentlemen who uh, are trying to get to a game of cricket, and uh, that's all they care about is their game of cricket. <laughs> and uh, like, God help you if you say a uh, 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 one bad word about cricket. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, uh, do you do you watch Ted Lasso? I do not. Oh, okay. Sorry. never mind. But, you know, it's about a a soccer team. And uh, there are these two, I think three guys, actually, that are always in this pub. And they're just constantly obsessing about soccer. And it's all they ever talk about. They're always yelling at it at the TV about soccer while drinking beer. And and that's basically Charters and uh, and Colticott. But anyway, sorry to take us off on a Ted Lasso tangent. But Ted Lasso is great. I, I I'm gonna have to watch it because I keep hearing about it. Like everybody keeps raving about it. I'm like I'm just gonna have to watch it eventually because I, I, I'm so out of the loop on 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 Ted Lasso. So I might I, I might get in there eventually. But <laughs> I'm out of the loop on like 99% of TV shows, but like that's one that I did watch. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like I, I really don't watch much TV. There's too many movies, man. Oh yeah, there's there's way too many movies to be basing it on television. So the only thing I really watch. Uh, is is Family Guy? Oh, okay. <laughs> I was big on Family Guy in high school for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks, thanks a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, he watches Family Guy. Oh yeah, God. Hey, no, 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 no judgment, no judgment. Just saying, that's when I watched it when I was in high school. Just a fact. No, no, it was it was probably best that you left the show when when you did because it's it's really whole home at this point. Like I, I could tell you right there, like in the first like two or three minutes, if the if the episode's gonna be good or it's gonna suck. The majority of the time it's like, uh, this one's gonna suck. <laughs> Wait, so is it still going? Oh yes, yes. It oh is. my god, I had no idea. I thought yeah. it only existed when I was in high school. <laughs> No, it's still going. Unfortunately, it's still going. <laughs> but you know, I, I can't help. I, I still tune in uh, every Sunday when it's on, and it's just like, it's like you know, just you know, I'm punishing my, torching myself at this point. It's like uh, I don't know why I haven't gave, given up yet. But uh, you're like I'm Walking still... Dead watchers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I gave up. I, even I gave up on that one a long time ago. But I still, for no reason or another, refuse to give up on Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> I respect the loyalty. I'm sorry. I took us way off topic when you were trying to talk about charters and call the cot. No, no, yeah. Like, I, I, I love these two. I, I, I love these two so much. Like they, they, they were so hilarious. Like even their the, their first scene when they're trying to book a room in, in the hotel, and uh, it's over capacity, so they have to stay in uh, one of the 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 the, the, the waiter, the servant lady's, uh, her room. Which is it all the way in the attic, and uh, they they have to tell the lady that the that the, the hotel manager tells the lady that um hey look you know these guys are gonna stay in your room and like and she's like she seems to be like okay with it so she gives them a smile and you know they're, they're perfect British gentlemen so they smile back to her and then she gives them like like a strange nod where it's just like I, I don't know what this for years I don't know what this nod means it looks like she just propositioned them for a threesome. Um, <laughs> 
And she's just like looking for that com- uh, confirmation, like, hey, you guys okay with that? And they're just like, oh, <laughs> you know, with that, like, with that drop of the smile. <laughs> you know, <and> just <laughs> Yeah, I love I love all that sexual humor because they are characters that seem to exist outside of sexuality and that like they're basically children. They're like two man children. And they don't think about that. You, you almost expect them to say, ew, girls, cooties. I only right. like cricket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. That seems to be the only thing they care about is cricket. <laughs> there is that great line that I love so much when, when they find out they're going to have to share this room with the maid and they see the maid and she smiles at them. And one of them says, it would be nice if there was one for each of us. Pause. Two rooms. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <right. laughs> Yeah, and then you know the uh, I love it. They they're reading the newspaper in the bed together, and one of them they have to share one set of pajamas. Like there was a scene that was cut out where uh, uh, the pajamas got ruined. Uh, so one is wearing the shirt, and the other one's wearing the pants, and they're just sitting <laughs> in the bed together. And you can see you can see like the remnants of that because like uh, the other pair of pajamas is hanging up on the line, drying. So that's why uh, one only one has the shirt on and one just has the pants on. So uh, <laughs> it's just like, and they're just sitting in there, they're just all reading their newspaper, like you know, we're just two bros in the bed, you know, sitting there, like uh, you know, just just cute as a button. <laughs> I love that shot because the shot starts just on a newspaper held up, and then the newspaper lowers, and it's <laughs> the two of them. And I definitely laughed out loud. That was great. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I I, I laugh out loud a lot when when they're on screen. Later on, when uh, Iris is looking for Miss Freud, uh, she encounters them, and uh, they say, "Oh, we don't remember seeing her. We were talking about cricket." I was like, "You can't remember, you know, by talking about a thing like cricket." And they were so offended. A thing like cricket. <laughs> <laughs> They're so offended by the fact that she just basically dismissed their favorite thing in the whole wide world. <laughs> I mean, like I'm in, I live in Missouri and there are definitely certain guys where if I said anything slightly against like the Kansas city chiefs, they would act exactly like that. I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I was interested when I was uh, reading about this movie to find out that these characters went on past this movie and they, they appear in other movies. Isn't that right? Oh yes. Yes. They, 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 they really, they appeared. Um, I think in four, as as the characters, they they appeared in uh like four or five other movies. Um, I think maybe four, but they they went on to do like a a, a, a number of productions together. Uh, maybe ten, if I if I remember correctly. Uh, like they basically became like you know British the Martin and Lewis kind of thing. The the, the two of them, and yeah, like it was a, it was a fruitful partnership. Like the characters went on to other stuff, but it wasn't played by these two anymore. But they went on to like, you know, do like a like a comedy duo between the two of them. Yeah, that's so interesting because that is not I don't know. I don't think of that as normal for this time period for like characters to like exist in sort of like their own universe. But that's super interesting. Right, right, right. It, became, it basically became a shared universe uh, between the, the two of them. <laughs> like they went on into other productions. Yeah, that's wild. So one thing that I found very interesting about the movie, and again, something else that I didn't really notice until the second time I watched it, is the movie doesn't have a score. 
But no. music is very, very important for the movie. And if there mm-hmm. is music, it exists in the movie and it matters to the movie and it's pointed out by the characters. And of course, you know, towards the end of the movie, uh, it turns out to be sort of a MacGuffin. Um, mm-hmm. But like or like early in the movie, there is a, a man uh, like I think he's singing in Italian or something like that. But there's a man just singing on a street corner or something. And Mrs. Freud is listening very closely to him. And that didn't mean anything to me the first time I saw it. But watching again, I'm like, oh, this is the coded message. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, like in the first third of this movie, man, so much gets set up. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, you, you don't catch it the first time, you know, when you're sitting there. Uh, she's listening and she's re- listening really intently, like, you know, just, you know, and you, you know, obviously it's, you think that, oh, she's just enjoying his music and stuff. And then you realize like that, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. But like, yeah, we don't find out, uh, uh, we find, we, we find out later it's a code, but we don't know what the code is for, you know, uh, it's just the, the code that ne- the, the, the music, you know, code that needs to be remembered because it's so important, you know, it was, basic Hitchcock thing, you know, like you said, the MacGuffin. But, uh, like, yeah, I, I love that sequence, too. Um, it, it's, it's really the uh, standard Hitchcock thing, you know, the, as he's singing his, you know, song playing his guitar or whatever, you see the shadow of the hands come up behind him, you know, with the real German expressionism kind of thing, and it just, just strangle him off camera and stuff, and, uh, and you know, Miss Ford, she doesn't even realize what's happening. She flips him like a, like a silver dollar or something. And it's, it's, it's a really great scene. That, uh, I really love that scene. Yeah, that uh, I, that felt very jalo to me when the yeah. hand came in. I think they were even gloved hands. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Very, very cool. So so once we get into the mystery of the movie and, and Miss Freud vanishes, the lady vanishes, and uh, mm-hmm. and Margaret Lockwood is trying to figure it out, is it, let me ask, is it a little bit overly convenient that like there are these reasons for certain characters to act like they, they've never seen Miss Freud? Cause and like some people are paid off and some people are in on it, but then you've got like uh charters and Caldecott um, who just decide they're going to say that there's no Miss Freud because they just don't want any kind of problem to be brought up and like if there's any problems mm-hmm. they want it to be ignored because they don't want the train to stop because they want to make it to their cricket match because everything else be damned they want to make it to their cricket match right um, right but i don't know like i'm i'm, I'm i i think hitchcock had a quote has a quote that he says that like a logic of a movie only has to like work for the characters it doesn't have to work for the audience and like logic isn't super important to him but i'm just like hmm it's it's interesting that there are all these reasons for certain characters to, to pretend that they haven't seen Miss Freud, like also the adulterous couple as well, who are also just yeah. trying not to create a fuss. Um, I don't know. Just something I was thinking about while watching it. Right, right, right. Uh, uh, like, Charles the Calica, I can understand, but then it's like, uh, right, the, the the mistress with the with the, with the husband, and she's like, oh, I'll, I'll tell them I, I, I saw her, because, you know, then it'll be uh, in the papers, and there'll be, there'll be a fuss, and your wife will see it, and she'll leave you. And then he was like, "Oh yeah, your, your husband's gonna leave you, but uh, he ain't gonna. Leave, my my wife's not gonna leave me. You know, she'll still stay with me." And then she's like, "Oh, oh, oh, oh I didn't see her. I didn't see yeah. her. Uh, <laughs> no, never mind. Never mind. I didn't see her at all. Oh no, 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 no. It was that um, when they when they brought in the uh, the fake Miss Freud. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. They brought in the fake Miss Freud. It's like, oh yeah, that's her. That's her. Like even though you know that's not her, 
you know, like, oh, yeah, that, that, that's her, that's her, that's her. And it's like, oh, okay, poor thing. Yeah, but it but it does, it totally works. It's a totally engaging mystery. I was very, you know, it's kind of an edge-on-your-seat movie. It's not as intense as something like, the certainly, The Birds or Vertigo, but engaging mystery that all kind of feels like a romantic adventure because our two leads are so charming and they're so great together. So it's like the mystery certainly works well enough because what we really want is, is we want to watch these two hang out and like work on something together. And like, that's the important thing. And that's where the movie like really, really succeeds. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, um, like at the end, the, you know, the adventure's over. Where they're pulling into the station. He's about, you know, unfortunately, it looks like they're going to go their separate ways. But uh, she sees her fiance. She's like, oh, like, you know, she has that relation. I don't want to be with this guy. I want to be with Gilbert, you know, and they get in the the, the the taxi together and they make out. And it's like, yeah, oh, that's great, what great we moment. wanted to see. Yeah, that's what we want to see. We want to see these two get together because they definitely earned it. And I like how like the 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 the, the taxi driver was like, "Where are you going?" And Gilbert's just you know like barely pausing his makeup session with Iris. So, yeah, we go. We're going over here. Yeah, take us there. Yeah, mm. <laughs> he doesn't even turn around. <laughs> he doesn't even turn around. At and all. good for him. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, so, but, but talking about like the thrills of the movie, like the Hitchcock thrills, what are some like exciting sequences that you really like from this? Oh, I love um, the whole climax of it where it basically turns into like this, this big shootout, you know? And it's like, it, it was weird like seeing it because, you know, you never really think that they have like shootouts like that. And uh, I mean, it's, you know, tame in, in, in comparison to like something like, you see in a John Woo movie, but it's like this is an all-out shootout, and they're like bang, 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 bang. You know, uh, I love, I love how Gilbert's so polite uh, when when they're telling them to surrender outside of the train, and they said, nothing to it. Coming in near and I fire, and they start walking. Through. I've warned you. <laughs> shoots him, and it's just like he's so polite, even as he threatens to shoot somebody. <laughs> well, he's British. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, 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 uh, that 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 moment right before the shootout uh, actually features my my uh, favorite funny moment. It, it, it probably mean nothing to, to to people in America because this is a very British joke. Where um, they have one of the bad guys come on the train and he's like trying to explain to them like what's happening in order to get them off the train. Caldecott tells him that oh, it's nice to meet a, a, a chap who speaks English, and he goes, I went to Oxford. And uh, you know you have a uh, mother superior, the one the, with the high heels. And she's telling uh, Gilbert, "This guy's full of shit," you know. Uh, so he takes the chair and busts him over the head. What the uh, what the blazes did you do that for? He said, "Well, I went to Cambridge," <laughs> which is which is <laughs> which is a very British joke because Oxford and Cambridge are two rival schools. So <laughs> Gilbert said he busts him over the head with a chair because he went to his rival school. It just makes me laugh every time I see it. <laughs> and and like like I'll, I'll watch this with somebody and I'll be the only one to laugh at that joke. <laughs> like because I get it, you know, and nobody else is like, huh? You know, but um yeah, uh that that of course leads into the the, the big shootout and stuff, and it, uh it leads into the you know, they they have to they have to get the train started to get out of there because you know they they run out of bullets. Uh, they only had two guns. Um, I like how uh, Caldecott uh, takes uh, uh, the, the 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 cheating husband's gun 
I once won a box of cigars as he's shooting out the window. And uh they're 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 going back and forth with these bad guys and stuff, and they have to get the train started. I, I love that whole final section of the movie. Uh, I also love uh, when uh, Gilbert, they're, they're stuck in the train car and they're trying to, they're, they think Miss Freud is, is the one in the bandages, the patient in the bandages that they bring onto the hotel. And uh, they, they're, they're, they've been trapped in the, the train car, so they have to go to the other one. And, and Gilbert has to climb out the window and there's another train that's uh, coming by. And like, you know, he has to like dodge it like Neo in the Matrix. Kind of thing, and, and I, I love all, I love all that stuff, you know, because it's I you know me being an action guy, it, it's it's I always find it fascinating to see like stuff like that in like old classic movies, like before like they added a uh, uh, real you know technique or choreography to it, you know, and like all like new school ways of editing, and then, like I always like to see like how they did it in the old ways. I, like I find all that stuff fascinating. So like that that that's what makes it so. Um, impressive to me like you know watching how they, they did the stuff back in the old days in the old ways you know yeah i totally agree with that uh i also i i do love that sequence as well um i remember watching it the first time thinking man it's crazy that this this little hitchcock movie like ends with a big shootout like i was not expecting that and this is a smaller Hitchcock movie. It's got um, it's got a much smaller budget. It's filmed on a pretty small soundstage. Like I think like the the set that they're working on was only like ninety feet long, something yes. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty small little set. They're using like back projection and stuff to like make the windows look like it's an actual train. But I, I didn't know any of that. It's like for the first time watching it, and it all looks really really good. Like you know, big shock. Hitchcock's a good filmmaker. Uh, he can do a lot with a little, and he really, really does here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was uh, like right before his uh, his big foray into Hollywood, and um, it, it was a real big, you know, nice little demo for like what was to come from him. You know, yeah, like th- this was uh, like in his like uh, uh, low budget British day, like his you know London days when he was making movies over there, and um, yeah, like it, it's it's. Like, like I said, like, it, it reminds me, like, in tone to, like, North by Northwest, like, something like he would do like that, where it's just, like, a big, bright, fun adventure movie, you know? Yeah, like, that's that's, that's the one of the reasons why I, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, the North by Northwest comparison is definitely really, really good, because, like, that's that's another Hitchcock movie that, like, perfectly works for me. And it was my favorite Hitchcock movie for a while, uh, before I actually saw Vertigo. Um, but yeah, this and North by Northwest are both just super bright and fun adventure movies that are really, really great. Just just to call out one more intensity sequence that I love, uh, and it's such classic, typical Hitchcock bomb under the table, but it's when you think the brandies are drugged and you're waiting for um, Gilbert and Iris to take the brandies. What a great mm-hmm. intense sequence. But it is funny that it gets undercut a little bit later by like, the accomplice being like, oh, no, I didn't do that. I didn't want to give, I didn't want to drug them. And then, so right, there was right, no drugs right. in the brandy, but still a great sequence in the moment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I also like the the, the fight scene with the, the, the big magician. Yeah. In, in, the, in the car, um, when, when, when him and Gilbert get into it, and, and uh, Iris is just standing there, <laughs> and Gilbert's like, uh, don't, don't just go hopping about like a referee. Cooperate. Kick him. See if he has a false bottom. <laughs> <laughs> 
And she said that like she really is trying to kick him. She ends up kicking Gilbert instead. That's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny how he was like super willing to just keep that guy locked in there like for the rest of the train ride. Like he was totally fine with doing that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I don't know. I would be like, oh, shoot, what are we going to do? We got this guy locked in here. We can't just keep him in here. But Gilbert's like, nope, tie it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah most yeah, most definitely. <laughs> yeah, Gilbert doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, what a fun movie. Rob, I'm so glad you brought this movie into my life. This movie is just terrific. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm so glad you liked it. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard for me to, like, find like people like around here to like to watch this kind of movie because like you know my uh my my co-host mac uh he's just now getting into black and white movies but uh like when i was younger it was like no no dude i'm not i'm not i'm not doing the black and white stuff um i still can't get him to watch any silent movies with me uh he he still won't do the silent movie thing he's like, i only just recently the got there so i get it uh i, I love me some silent movies i i, I really do but uh, he, he's coming around, and um, hopefully I, I'll get him to watch this, and, and he'll enjoy it too. But uh, it's great to hear that you you, you know you enjoyed it uh, when when you watched it. That like that, that really you know really fills me with joy to hear that because you know you always want you know when you make make a recommendation to somebody, uh, you know you always have that like are they gonna like it or are they not gonna like it? But like when they do like it, it's like oh, yes 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 you know. And uh, I, I really like that uh, that you enjoyed this movie. Yeah, it's like the best part of being a movie fan when you make a recommendation and someone else really connects to it. You know, that's just the most the most fun part about talking about movies is that right there. Oh, absolutely. So is there anything else you want to say about this movie before we uh, end the conversation on The Lady Vanishes and you move into a couple recommendations? I think that's it. I think that I think I covered everything I wanted to uh, talk about. I, I can't think of anything at the moment. Excuse me. Sometimes I get scatterbrained and I'm like, I'm probably going to remember later and be like, fuck, you know, to, I, I, sh- I should have said that when, uh, <laughs> when, you know, when, when I was on the thing, but uh, it is what it is. But I, I, th- I think at, at the moment uh, we covered everything. All right. Sounds good. Um, so now we're going to move into what I call the cobwebs dusting portion of the show, where we're just going to recommend a few movies for you. Uh, take them off the shelf, dust them off, tell you why you should check out these old movies. Um, so Rob, what would you like to recommend for the listeners? Um, I would like to uh, recommend uh, another film featuring Charters and Caldecott. You know, we talked into their, their partnership, how they went on to other movies. Uh, Night Train to Munich, uh, directed by Carol Reed stars Rex Harrison and also uh, Margaret Lockwood. Um, it's also a train movie. It deals with uh, World War II and uh, Nazis. It's in the Swiss Alps and stuff. It's a really, it's a really fun, um, you know, old school adventure movie. It's not, I, I don't think it's as fun as uh, The Lady Vanishes and uh, Charles and Caldecott in it. They, they're fun, but like they, they're not as funny as they were, but uh, it's still a, an enjoyable movie and I highly recommend it if you can find it. Uh, there's a good um, Criterion Collection release from it. Uh, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, I, I really enjoyed this one. So uh, I recommend Night Train to Munich. Yeah, I haven't seen this one, but it sounds a lot like this movie. Is it similar in plot or is it just happened to be on a train and it's got uh, Charters and Caldecott? No, this is more of like a, like a um, World War II spy or a kind of thing. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot. I mean... Uh, it's funny to, to, to say this, but I think this one is a lot more serious than 
the lady vanishes, you know, is is it's hard to imagine a movie being more serious than uh at this time than a Hitchcock movie. But uh uh it is, you know, it's about spies and all that stuff and uh scientists, undercover, like British secret agent kind of stuff. You know, it's more like like um it's kind of like a low budget uh reminds me of a low budget um where where Eagles Dare kind of thing. Okay. But 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 it's on a train and all that stuff and you have like that that adventurous stuff and charges of Caldecott there are in there, but like they're they're not as like co- comedic, if you will. Like they're they're a bit more like serious in tone. They're still funny, but they're a bit more serious in tone than they are in um The Lady Vanishes. But it's 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 a damn good movie. It's a damn good movie. I, I, I really recommend it. From nineteen forty. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds really good. I'm glad you put that movie on my radar. I uh oh I'm always happy to watch another movie with by Carol Reed, so certainly sounds yeah. good. Um so for my recommendation, I what I wanted to do is I wanted to come on here and recommend another 1930s Hitchcock movie. Cause I posted on Twitter uh when I put on The Lady Vanishes that like, oh, I'm about to watch my first 1930s Hitchcock, because Lady Vanishes was. Um so I wanted to watch another one and come on here and recommend it. And uh, okay, so I watched the 39 steps. And I liked the 39 steps, but I don't think I liked it enough to make it my recommendation. It definitely had its moments. Pretty entertaining overall. It's certain moments I really, really liked. Um, I didn't love it overall. Are you a 39 steps fan? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat you are. Okay, sounds good. So for my actual recommendation, I'm going to recommend another Hitchcock movie uh, from 1954, which is Dial M for Murder. Where's the nearest police station? What could you tell them? I should simply tell them that you're trying to blackmail me into... Into... Murdering your wife. This is one that I just recently saw because I picked up the Blu-ray in the recent Warner Archives sale. And uh, and I popped this one in. Man, this absolutely falls in the camp of like one of my favorite Hitchcocks. It is so good. Uh, it's kind of hard to say what it's about without getting too spoilery. So I'll be as vague as I can. But essentially, it's starring uh, Grace Kelly, Ray Milland, and um, Bob Cummings. And Ray Milland essentially is married to Grace Kelly and he wants to murder her because he's basically living off of her money. He's very comfortable living off of her money. He knows that she's having an affair on him with Bob Cummings and he knows it's really only a matter of time before their marriage ends. And he doesn't want that to happen because he's become very dependent on her money. So he plans her murder and he does a fantastic job planning this murder and there's this great sequence where he's just explaining it to somebody and it's just Ray Milland talking but it's so intense and it's so interesting because it's such a it's such a brilliantly plotted thing um but all I'll say is the murder does not go as he planned there is a complication (laughs) and his reaction to it and his new plan that he forms very very quickly to react to this complication is so interesting. So this is a movie is almost entirely just people talking almost entirely in one location. I think it was actually based on a play, but it is like brutally intense. Like I thought it was one of the most intense Hitchcock movies I've seen in a long, long time. Um, so I love dial M for murder. Have you seen this one? It's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember thoroughly enjoying it. When uh, I, I think I, it was a, another uh, turn of classic movies showing that I caught when I was younger and I was, you know, really getting into those, like watching those old classic Hitchcock movies. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, uh, th- th- I remember really enjoying it. Uh, I probably should revisit it, you know, soon. I definitely should have jumped on that uh, the Warner Archives sale that that last one they had and gotten it. 
there was a few things I wanted to get, but uh, yeah, I definitely gotta gotta find this to pick it up soon because I'm definitely due for a rewatch. But I I, I, I remember thoroughly enjoying it the first time I saw it. Yeah, sounds good. Did you know this movie was released in 3D? So weird. Yes, I did. I did. Yeah, that's just so crazy that a movie like this would be released in 3D. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. The, um, yeah, like 3D to, just keeps coming and going. Thing. <laughs> I I kind of low key miss it. Like you know, there was a time when they would release when they released. I think it was two thousand, maybe two thousand eleven. Uh, you know, they released a Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel in three D called Texas yeah. Chainsaw three D. And like, yeah. I did not go see that movie, but now I'm like, I would love to go see a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie in three D in the theater. That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> I, I did not see that one, but uh, I did see a uh, Piranha three D. Oh, nice. And, uh, and, and and that was uh that was an experience that uh, I don't think I ever forget uh, that movie. I mean that movie is fun as is, but it, seeing it in 3D is, is a whole another thing. There's a um a, a, a scene in there where where, where a character um, gets uh, castrated, and you see the the, the castration in uh, up close in 3D, and it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! It's the that was that was a glorious thing to see. Like everybody in the theater was just like just beside themselves in laughter after that one. <laughs> I think the thing is, like, I don't want to see like quote unquote good like big budget Hollywood movies in 3D. I don't really care, but I want to see like Piranha in 3D, and I want to see like yeah. Texas Chainsaw in 3D. Like, I want the lower budget exploitation B movies release those in 3D. That's what I want to see. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a tangent. Rob, thank you so much for talking about Hitchcock with me. This has been great. Oh, the, thank you. Thank you for, for giving me the chance to, to talk with that. I really appreciate this. And I, I had a blast. Uh, ho- hopefully we get to do it again soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anytime, man. Um, so before I, I let you uh, do your plugs, which I think I've, I've heard on other podcasts, you're not really a fan of doing the plug section. It's, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just there's so many to do. I have so many things to plug. And uh, it's unroll just, your biblical scroll and read off the list, right? Like, I, I, I the, my, my favorite thing to say is, uh, uh, you know, everybody does their plugs, and it's just like, oh, yeah, you can find me here, 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 here. With uh, me, it's like, these are the plugs that never end, <laughs> they just go on and on, my friend. Like, yeah, it's just, I, I try to limit the number now of plugs I do, like, I try to remember everything, but uh. Uh, so sometimes I still forget and I'm like, shit, you know, I forgot to, <laughs> you know, shout this person out or plug this and other stuff, but you know, it happens. Well, I'll do one for you. And I, I meant to mention this at the beginning of the show, but I haven't. Uh, if you do want to listen to more of Rob Antiquara and Daniel Epler talking together, uh, you can check out the Dana Buckler show where the two of us actually talked with Atkins Undisputed host Mike Scott about the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, uh, which uh, which is basically the Hitchcock of our time, Zack Snyder's Justice League. So uh, check that out <laughs> on the Dana Buckler show podcast network. That was actually like so much fun, Rob. I had so much fun talking about Justice League on there with you. So I hope people check that out. Oh yeah, yeah, most definitely. That was that was an absolute blast uh, talking Justice League with you and, and and with Mike. Just basically the three of us just uh, talk about our love for like uh, a divisive movie about Superman and Batman and, and Wonder Woman, you know. But no, it was great. It was great. Uh, I, I love the movie and I love talking with you guys. Uh, it, it was a, it was a great conversation and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I, I love it and uh, I hope people check it out. Definitely. Well, plug away, sir. Where can people follow you? 
Oh, of course, dude. You can find me and my brother Mac the All Star at the Action Drunkies. Uh, uh, we're on Twitter as Action at Action Drunkies. We're on Instagram as at the Action Drunkies. We're on uh, Facebook and uh, YouTube. We don't have much of on our YouTube page yet, but we'll be changing that soon. So stay tuned for that. Uh, you can find me as at the Cinema Drunkie on Twitter, uh, the Cinema at the Cinema Drunkie on Instagram, uh, as well as uh, Facebook and YouTube. I have a I have a YouTube page in there that just features just uh, just crap, really, you know, just just irrelevant crap that just seems to get uh, uh, views. People just like the crap I post on there. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, shout out my brother Mac the All Star. You can find him at Mac the All Star on Twitter uh, and um, uh, Instagram as well. Uh, also, I want to shout out um, my my other show that I'm on, uh, the House That Screams uh, horror podcast with my my dear friend uh, Candy, the Final Girl, and her co-host, her husband uh, Sean of the Dead. Uh, you can find them at at House underscore Screams on Twitter. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, uh, the House of Screens podcast, as well as a group. You can find Candy at Candy the Final Girl on Instagram, as well as at Final Girl Candy on Twitter. Uh, also, um, wanted to shout out uh, uh, our bro, uh, Atkins Undisputed host, the, the illustrious, the incomparable Mr. Mike Scott. He, 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 is the, he is the bro. He is the homie. I love you, so Mike, uh, he, he is the man. He's objectively um, be- the coolest guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike is fucking awesome. Um, I'll be talking to him soon about the the film, the Paper Tigers. So uh, look look out for that. Um, shout out to Mike. Also, shout out to um, uh, uh, my other homie, uh, uh, Larry, um, uh, who uh, runs the uh, at Movember account, which posts like gifts from John Woo movies and all that. Uh, also, um, shout out to. Uh, See, see, see what I mean? See what I mean? Uh, how they, they just keep going on and on and on and on. Um, I, I'll, I'll keep it quick. Also, a shout out to my, my buddy Michael Cook over at Hit Rewind uh, Podcast. Uh, you can find him at, at Retro Rocket Entertainment on Twitter. Uh, and yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's it. Because uh, I'll be here forever sitting there trying to plug people and remember. But uh, yeah, uh, look out for all those fine people as well as uh, as well as the action junkies. And uh, shout out to you um you and and this show i, I oh, did want to say that yeah i did want to say that uh i kind of uh, the miss that uh, i couldn't get on uh the the original version of the show when you were just talking about gothic horror because that's how i first discovered the show um when you when uh you had mike on for uh captain chronos vampire hunter oh and, yeah uh, which was a great episode by the way uh i really enjoyed that episode and um but you know just uh just to get to talk to you about movies is is, is you know is a blessing in itself. So uh, it's a, I really, really enjoyed this. And thank you for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. And the show is not adverse to Gothic horror anymore. Like we just talk about everything instead of just Gothic horror. So if you do have like a, a Gothic horror movie you want to talk about, you know, hit me up and, and we'll make that happen. Oh, 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 cool, 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 cool. I was like, uh, I thought you, you know, you you just like, ah, I don't want to talk about Gothic horror anymore. I want to talk about all this stuff. Because sometimes it happens, you know, it happens It's like, uh, oh man, I have to talk about this again. But uh, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Now that uh, now I know that uh, you still you know willing to talk about uh, gothic horror, then uh, I can really open up now. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, nothing has been excluded, just uh, a lot more has been included, basically. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I also got to say, uh, shout out to Lindsay from Schlock and All. Because absolutely. I just did a, I just did an episode, uh, a recording with her. That episode, she said, doesn't come out until, I believe, June. But I just did a, uh, I recorded an episode with her talking about uh, James Wells Frankenstein, as well as Weird Science. So, Oh, my um, God, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought that would be a, a she. She allowed me to pick the double feature, and uh, those were my choice because I thought that would be a cool thing. I mean, like you know, uh, like I said, you know, I'm I'm known for action horror, so like you know, I have the horror thing there. But you know, that nice little segue into like something else, you know, uh, big silly comedy like Real Science, you know, I thought would be like a nice little touch. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. I'm so excited to hear that. All right, folks, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Cobwebs podcast. Next week, Keith Rich, who you previously heard on our episode on The Thin Man, will be back on the show, and we're going to be talking about our top five Charlie Chaplin movies. It is a silent film dedicated, well, almost silent film dedicated episode that I think you're really going to enjoy. Please remember that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Cobwebs pod. You can follow me personally at Epler Daniel. And uh, send us an email anytime at the cobweb, well, just at cobwebspodcast at gmail.com. And please leave us a rate and review in the iTunes store and subscribe to us in whatever podcast app you are listening in. We'll be back to talk about more old movies next week. So if you're in a tender mood, tune in next Tuesday. Until then, good night.